The following audio is from Norris Ferry Community Church. More information about Norris Ferry Community Church is available at norrisferrychurch.org. Well, good morning. My name is Jared Clary, and this is our Lottie Moon Christmas service. It's our opportunity to kind of take just a, a minute and to focus on um, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so uh, right around Christmas, the legacy of Lottie Moon, we talked about that last year and just kind of shared her story and who she was. It, it always cracks me up with that video because they say that she was a, a spiritual giant, but she was like four foot tall. And so it's just ironic a little bit, but she really was. She was a spiritual giant in the way that she lived her life for the advancement of the gospel to the ends of the earth. And so incredible opportunity just for us to focus a minute and to kind of slow down and to say in the the midst of Christmas, what is the most important thing? What is the most important thing in the midst of Christmas and in the midst of the joy and family and, and all of the different things that are going on? What's the most important thing to not forget what the Lord has called us to? And so we have the Lottie Moon Christmas service, Christmas offering that we'll partake in. And so those are the envelopes that you see in your chair. But if you've got your Bible, I want to take a minute and look at Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, and we're going to be in verse 13, 14, and 15. And I just want to kind of focus in on this. This passage is is pretty neat in that it shows us kind of this progression of what must take place for someone to believe. And so we're going to focus in on that, Romans chapter 10. But before we jump into that, I want to tell you all a story about a, a man named Hamisi. Hamisi is a, is a real guy. He lives in Tanzania in Kigoma. And I recently got to meet him. And Hamisi's story is a little bit like Paul's. Not in the sense that he was born a long time ago or that he was Jewish descent, but that, that he was in a mission to destroy the church. He, he was convinced and in a mission that the, the church needed to be eradicated. He had a belief system, which he had held to, which looked at Christians as those which needed to be dispersed, which needed to be persecuted, which the churches, their places of worship needed to be destroyed. And he was planning to travel to a Middle Eastern country and to be trained for that. But it just so happened that, that he was at a cobbler's shop and that some visitors had come by to drink a 20-cent cup of tea. And so while they were there getting their cup of tea, then they began a conversation there. And it just so happened that Hamisi was there and he overheard this conversation. And so he began to talk with these visitors. And one of the visitors, his name is Kelly Sager. He's an IMB missionary. And as he was drinking this cup of tea, and he wasn't going to the tea shop to share the gospel. He was actually doing home visits other places. But he just was like, hey, let's stop and get a cup of tea. I'd like a cup of tea before we go to the next house. And so... They stop in and Hamisi's there and as they began to talk and as they began to share the gospel, then, then Hamisi heard the good news of who Christ was. That Jesus is Lord. That he came as a baby, lived a perfect life, died a death for the sins of the world. That if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, then they will be saved. 
That this salvation message isn't just for the morally good. It's not for just the Western world. It's not for just those who have grown up reading their Bible. But anyone can be saved. And he heard this message and, and it rang true in his heart. And right there, he professed Christ as Lord. He came to church a couple weeks after that and he shared his testimony And he shared that he had shared with these men that he was supposed to travel with to be trained on how to destroy the church. And at threat to his life, at much convincing by them, he said, no, I can't can't deny this. This is true. That Hamisi is a brother in Christ simply because as he was going, he proclaimed the gospel. Simply as Kelly Sager was going. He didn't set out to say, ooh, I'm going to be looking for somebody. But simply as he was going, a 20 cent glass of tea brought him in contact with exactly the person that God had intended. And he was faithful to proclaim the gospel. To be a herald of the good news. To proclaim a message that, that wasn't his, but that he had been commissioned to tell. And that in that moment... Hamisi trusted Christ. You see, that story is not unique. It's the reason why you're here. It's the reason why you've trusted in Christ. Is that someone told someone, told someone, told someone, told someone, told someone, told you. That someone heralded this good news that you might believe. And so in our text this morning, what we're going to look at is, is what is necessary for faith and salvation. What, what must take place in a, in a kind of practical man look of, of all of these things? We understand that God has to be at work. But what is it that the scriptures say that Paul tells us here in Romans 10? What are the characteristics? What are the things necessary in order for someone to believe? So let's read our passage this morning, starting in verse 13. It says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. Let's pray. God, would you be with us this morning? Lord, that as we dive into your word, Lord, would you encourage our hearts to live boldly, to live excited, to live joyfully because of our hope in the gospel, because of what Christ has done on our behalf, because of who we are in Christ. Lord, would you make us joyful people? But Lord, would you also convict our hearts, Lord, that that we know every time we open your word that there are commands for us to obey, there are truths for us to believe. Lord, would you convict our hearts of the things in which we don't believe? Lord, of the things in which we need to confess and repent of. Lord, would you convict our hearts that we might be more like you? And Lord, would you just continue to work in and through us, Lord, that that you would draw many more people to the kingdom of God. Lord, you're worthy of it, like we sang. You're worthy of all worship. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So in verse 13, what Paul does is he makes this statement that comes out of Joel chapter 2. And he, he makes this statement in verse 13 and he says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's an incredible promise. That's a promise that ought to get us out of bed every morning. That no matter who you come in contact with, no matter how lost they are, no matter what they've done, that anyone, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That there is hope for the hopeless. Paul makes this statement and then he goes, okay, so if anyone can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, then why is everyone not calling on the name of the Lord? And there's two reasons. One of the reasons is they've heard it and they've rejected it. There's one group of people who have heard the good news, who have heard the name of the Lord and they've rejected Christ. That's one group of people. But there's a second group of people that Paul's going to spend a little bit more time talking about. And those are the people who have never heard. The people who have never called on the name of, the, of Jesus because they've never heard the name of Jesus. As we traveled through South Sudan when we first started going there, then there were many in the Taposa region who have never heard the name of Jesus. How would they call on someone whom they've never heard? And that's exactly where Paul goes. He begins to look at these questions. And so as we break down these questions, what I want to give you is three characteristics that we as a church must exhibit for the nations to know the hope of Christ. Three characteristics that we as a church and as believers must exhibit for the nations to know the hope of Christ. Paul's going to answer this as he articulates these questions, and these questions are all linked together, and so it makes this chain of if you want to get from here to here, then here's the progression. And so Paul links these questions all together. Number one, he says, how will they... How will they call on him whom they have not believed? He's pulling from verse 13 and says, everyone who calls. And he says, well, how do they call? They haven't believed. If they don't believe, if they don't have faith, then they won't call. We, we get this. We understand this of like, if you don't know that you need help, you don't call for help. Right? It's only when you understand and need, you see the need, your necessity, that's when you make the call. And so I, I love to talk about need-to-know moments, that when people are in a need-to-know moment, then they figure out what they need to know. That unless you know that you don't know, then you don't try to find it. And so Paul says, how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they have not heard? They haven't even heard of Christ. They haven't heard of Christ. And so here's what we see. The, number one, the first characteristic is that we must speak. As a church, as believers in Christ, we must speak. If they have never heard, the solution to that is that we speak. And that's exactly what Paul says. And how are they to hear without someone preaching? But what is preaching? Preaching is not just standing in a pulpit Preaching is being a herald. Hark the herald, angels sing. A herald is someone who has been given a message and then proclaims that message that they've been given. That we must preach the gospel. 
It's been accredited to St. Francis of Assisi. I'm not sure that he would like it, but it's been accredited to him that this statement, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. I love the sentiment of that. But no one ever professed their faith in Christ because you were a nice moral person to them. We must speak. Now, I love the quote in the sense that our actions speak as well. But we must speak with our mouth the hope of Christ. We must proclaim with our words who Christ is. And that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord can be saved. See, if Kelly Sager would have just bought Hamisi a cup of tea, been kind, generous, loving, Hey, let me buy you a cup of tea. Let me pay for your shoes to be fixed. Have a good day. Hamisi never would have believed in Christ. It took the proclamation, the speaking of words, for Hamisi to hear the name of Jesus so that he could call on the name of Jesus. And it's the same for us. That, that our lives should proclaim a message, but then we must tell people why our lives look that way. We must speak with our words and say that my life is this way and I live this way because of Jesus. Because he's Lord and he's coming again. And he's given me hope in the midst of hopelessness and he can do that for you. You see, we must proclaim the gospel. We must speak. They will not call on the name of the Lord unless they hear and they will not hear unless someone is preaching. You're all preachers. You're all heralds of good news because of what Christ has done for you and what Christ is doing in you. Let's be proclaimers of that good news. So Paul says we must preach. But next, he also says that we must do something else. We must preach and we must go. He says, how will they hear unless someone is preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? You see, wrapped up in this is that that people must go. There must be a sending aspect, but in order to send people, then there must be people going. We've got wrapped up into our milestone map an aspect of this that, that we as a church want to teach our children to go. And so as one of our celebration milestones, we have a passport celebration. that It's, it's set when you turn 16 years old. What do 16-year-olds do? Well, they get their driver's license, right? It's an exciting time. They're looking forward to that because it's freedom, right? It's like, ah, I get to go places and not have to ask mom and dad to take me. Freedom. I get, to, I get more freedom. Well, more freedom, according to the scripture, brings about more responsibility. And with those responsibilities, then we need to be good stewards of that. And so as people are celebrating getting a driver's license, we just say, hey, go ahead and do a little more paperwork and get your passport. I was talking with some students and at a conference we went to, and I was asking them, what's the most exciting thing, the most adventuresome thing that you've done? It's pretty interesting to hear their different stories, but the overwhelming majority of them said the most exciting, adventuresome thing that they did was travel out of the country. They went on a mission trip. They went into the unknown. 
Students are looking for excitement. That's why they're running to all of these other things. And yet, with a passport, there's the unknown world in which we can be a part of taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. If you're here this morning and you've gone with Norris Ferry on a mission trip, would you just stand up? If you're here this morning and you've been out of the country on a mission trip, would you stand up? That's worth celebrating. Norris Ferry, as I was talking about this, Norris Ferry does this really well. Thank y'all. Y'all can be seated. That there is a going aspect that Norris Ferry gets. That, that we love to go and be a part of what God is doing around the world. And it's worth celebrating. It's worth celebrating when a student or an adult gets a passport and says, God, I'm ready. Send me. I'll go. I'm ready. If you don't have a passport, my challenge and encouragement for you is, is get one. It's good for 10 years. Go ahead, fill out the paperwork, get one. You're like, I don't know that I can travel out of the country. Get one. And then say, Lord, would you send me? Lord, is that where you want me to go? Lord, do you want me to go and be a part of that? That we have a call to go. Matthew chapter 28 18 through 20, the Great Commission. Jesus commissioned his disciples, right? He, he's about to leave and go up to the Father's right hand. He's about to ascend to heaven. And he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the earth. That there is a command to go. So Paul doesn't specifically say go in this passage because Jesus has already given the command Go. But he definitely understands it. That one of the characteristics for the nations to hear is that people must go. There are still a number of people groups who cannot call on the name of Jesus because they have never heard the name of Jesus. And they will never hear the name of Jesus unless someone goes to tell them. The gospel requires that we go. Now, some of y'all are like, man, this guy talks about international missions a lot. I do. I love it. it. Before we see the nations gathered around the throne room of Christ, as we see in Revelation, then, then people are going to have to go into those areas. But some of that is, what if your job is to tell your coworker? And then your coworker is the one that the Lord is going to send to an unreached people group. It's not just we proclaim when we go. It's that we proclaim as we go. Your job of going is not just to the international mission field, but it's to your neighbor right across the street. That we must go to everyone. It's shocking, but there are people that live right here in Shreveport who have never heard the name of Jesus. That breaks my heart. There's a lot of churches in Shreveport. There's a lot of us in Shreveport. 
But there are people who you've probably walked past in some store, at some ball game, at work, who have never heard the name of Jesus. How will they call on him whom they have not heard? We must preach the gospel as we go. But third, Paul says that how will people go unless they're sent? That people must be sent in order to go. Here in the passage it says this. It says, And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach good news. That in order to go, then we must send. Now, what does that look like? Well, I was talking to our IMB missionaries, Maggie in Tanzania, that we have sent out. We're a partnering church. And to the Lewises, who are in Nairobi, Kenya, and they were sent. We're one of their partnering churches. And I was asking them, what does it take for you to stay on the mission field? Now, it's pretty incredible because it takes a lot. That in order for them to stay on the mission field, there's a ton of support that goes into that. And so they have people who help them with visas. They have people who help them with housing. They have people who help them with the government laws so that they can stay in the country and work and not get kicked out. They have people who help them with finances and retirement stuff and saving. They have people that help them with schooling stuff because they've got kids on the mission field, the Lewises do. They've got people who help them pay their water bills and pay their electric bills and figure out how do I do that in another country in a language that I'm still learning and figuring out the government system and which buildings do I have to go to and Okay, I got to go get a paperwork. Maggie was telling me I have to go get, to pay my electric bill, I have to go get a paper from this office, and then I have to take it to this office and get them to stamp it. And then once they stamp it, then I have to take it to this office and pay. It's like, it's unbelievable. Just to pay my electric bill. And so it takes a lot. Those are just some of the logistical things. But then it also takes money. It takes a lot of money to keep someone on the mission field. Many of you guys are partners with the Johnsons, our missionaries in Panama. You're financially supporting them. You've seen their budget of what it takes to stay on the mission field, to do ministry, to, to pay for housing, to do schooling. In order for what? That they can have the excitement of saying they've lived in another country? No. In order that they can proclaim the gospel. In order that people who have never heard can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. It takes a lot. They must be sent. And so part of the sending is that the church sends them out. And so we as a church partner for much of our missions through the International Mission Board. So let me just give a little brief stint about the International Mission Board. The International Mission Board is, is all about cooperation. Cooperation as churches for us as Norris Ferry Community Church, which statistically we are a larger church than most churches in the U.S. Statistically. We would struggle in supporting missionaries on the field if it was just up to us. Because we don't have the logistical or financial power to keep missionaries on the field. But what do we do? We cooperate with other churches. 
Churches of 20 members, churches of 2,000 members. We cooperate together and we pool funds. And we hire people that their job is to help these missionaries and logistically to help them. To provide counsel to them as heartache happens on the mission field. To help them with visas, to help them with paying their bills, to help them with all of these things, to navigate these worlds. We cooperate together and so there is the International Mission Board. And all these churches cooperate together and we, we pool our money together in order to send missionaries for the advancement of the gospel. That's what Lottie Moon is about. Lottie Moon is an opportunity for us to give that 100% of what we give goes directly to the mission field. When you write a check and you put it in the offering plate or you give online, then some of that money in our budget, we budget and we send money to the cooperative program every month. Every month, a portion of what you give goes to missions. And so in that cooperation, in the the cooperative program, then they hire and do all the logistical stuff. And then every year, then they take an offering in honor of Lonnie Moon for the advancement of the gospel. And 100% of that doesn't go to the overhead costs. It goes directly to missionaries on the field. Well, what does that mean? Well, it buys Maggie a car in order that she can travel the roads to get out to the village where Hamisi is now attending church. And he's in a community of believers. And it pays for her car in order that she can go and encourage the believers there to continue to preach the gospel, to walk in community with one another, to do the things which we do here at Norris Ferry. And so 100% of what you give to Lottie Moon goes directly to the mission field. That it pays and encourages missionaries as they proclaim the good news of Christ. As they're heralds of this news. So what does this look like for us? Right? That, that the three characteristics that we as a church must exhibit for the nations to know the hope of Christ. That we must speak, we must go, and we must give. These aren't just commands that have been pulled up. Don't lose sight of why. Verse 13, if you haven't memorized it, it's an incredible verse to memorize. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. The reason we give is so that people will be saved. The reason we go is so that people will be saved. The reason we speak is so that people will be saved. Why do they need saved? Because apart from Christ, they'll spend eternity separated from God in a place called hell. We do these things because we love people and because he's worthy. Revelation gives us a picture, just like the song that we sang, that they will open, they will take the scroll and say, who is worthy to open the scroll? Who's worthy to open this? And he looked around and there was no one worthy and he began to weep. But the lamb, who looked as though he was slain, was worthy to open the scroll. 
Christ is worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. And he's worthy of us living, speaking, going, and giving. Got one more little video for you to see. It's just a little glimpse. As this video goes, then uh, would you just pray? What's your part? What's your part of giving in the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? We've got a goal of $15,000. Last year we had a goal of $10,000. We exceeded that. And so we've got a goal of $15,000 this year that we would send directly to the mission field. That, that as you write that check, it's not because, oh, I feel obligated. It's so that people will hear the name of Jesus and will call on his name and will be saved. Watch this video. We all lead busy lives, but if we could just stop everything and take a bird's eye view, a little higher, there. Now we can see the multitudes. We are fueled by a shared vision to bring the name of Christ to those who have yet to hear. So we move forward to extreme places, corners of the world that have no access to the gospel. We train missionaries, send them out together, and pray that God's grace be known. We help the hurting, comfort the dying, give hope to the displaced, and have seen thousands come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort, together. Let me pray for us as we conclude our service. But you've got an envelope, and if you need to take it home, if you want to give online, then it's online. Um, But consider how you can give. How you can be a part of together taking the gospel to the ends of the earth so that people who have never heard can call on the name of Jesus and be saved. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come to you thankful. God, for this promise that we see from your word that everyone who calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Lord, we're thankful for for a God who's able, who can do that. Lord, we're thankful for the way that you have saved us. God, and we ask, Lord, would you stir our hearts in such a way? Would you stir our passions in such a way Lord, would you convict our hearts in such a way, Lord, that we would be captivated by taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. Lord, that it would never be far from our mind to think that there are people who have never heard, whether that's halfway around the world or right across the street. Lord, that we would speak as we go And that we would be actively involved in sending missionaries to proclaim the message in order that people might hear and respond. Lord, would you make us generous people? That we would be good stewards of the good gifts which you've given us. 
because you're worthy. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Norris Ferry Community Church located in Shreveport, Louisiana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Norris Ferry Community Church, please visit us online at norrisferrychurch.org.